Welcome to the In All Things Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from friendship and personalities to contentment and faith. Our goal, to encourage you to seek Christ in all things. Hey, how's it going? I'm your host, Sierra. Let's imagine you're in my living room and dive into real conversation. I think we've all probably heard the phrase, pride comes before the fall. When we, when we think of the word pride, it's easy to think arrogance or our attitude that we're better than other people. But pride is a lot more than just our attitude towards others. It's our attitude towards God as well. And when we're prideful, we believe that we can do something that God can't do. And before you say, no, 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 I do not do that. Let's ask ourselves some questions. Do we ever take something into our own hands because we're not trusting God? Do we ever trust other people and, and, or I guess their messages above God's messages? Have we ever looked to earthly things for satisfaction rather than God? I know that I've done all of those before. Our sins are rooted in pride and pride prevents us from fully seeking Christ and depending on him. There are so many examples in the Bible of what happens when we are prideful. We can take the very first instant that we know about, and that's Satan. And we don't know about it because it's the first thing that happens in Genesis. But chronologically, it's the first example of pride. And we learn about it from a combination of passages in the Bible that Satan was created as a high-ranking angel. And he became arrogant in his status and then decided that he wanted to rank above God. And as a result, God then removed Satan from his ranking and from heaven. So Satan's pride literally came before his fall. In the Garden of Eden, Satan tempted Adam and Eve. God had told them that they could eat from any tree in the whole garden but one. And Satan came along and tried to belittle God's command and said, You will not certainly die, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Satan appealed to Adam and Eve by saying that they could be like God, and Eve fell for it. And look at how her pride affected all of humankind. There is a message being preached in today's society to women. And in reality, it's really been preached to men for a lot longer. And it's guised as this empowerment message. We're told that if we work hard and we do A, B, and C, we can have it all. We can gain wealth and we can gain affluence. And I'm going to clarify, it is not wrong to work hard and earn money. And it is not wrong to have influence. But when that is our goal, when it is our 
goal and motivation to have money and influence, we take a prideful stance, a prideful outlook on life. Our goal should be to glorify God in all that we do. And if we happen to gain wealth and influence on the way, then so be it. Then those are blessings from the Lord. And then we should be using that wealth and influence to even further glorify God. But with this message that's being preached, it comes with a lot of pressure that it is up to us to gain this worldly status. But the thing is, is that we're taking it up into our own hands. And then when we don't achieve that status that we're looking for, we carry shame and we have this pressure put on us. We're looking to the world for our status and we're depending on ourselves to get there. That is pride. Instead, we should be looking to the Lord, allowing him to lead where he wants and looking to him to give the gifts and responsibilities that he wants us to have. Proverbs 22.4 says that humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Doesn't say pride's wages are riches and honor and life. And the thing is, is we aren't going to be fulfilled by money or by influence. We aren't satisfied by those things. So why would we look to that to have this worldly success and that pressure that comes with it? It's hard to live under. I don't want that to be all up to me because of that pressure and because of the shame that if we fail, according to the world's standards, then that's on us. So similar to the uh, today's societal message, we see a similar story in the Bible and that's the Tower of Babel, which is in Genesis 11. So I just, I'm sharing three stories, three Bible stories that are happening before what we see recorded in Genesis 1. That was Satan's. Um, You know, it's recorded other places in the Bible, but it's occurring before Genesis 1 through Genesis 11. As humans, we've struggled with the same issues from the very beginning as we do now. So they look maybe a little different, but they're pretty much the same struggles. And I just thought that was kind of interesting because I'm like, we're, we're still going through the same thing as I was looking at these stories. But anyway, the Tower of Babel. So the story occurs approximately 100 years after Noah's flood. So God had just wiped out all of the humans because of their depravity. And there probably aren't a ton of people on earth. I'm not really sure how many people are, I guess, um, estimated to have been on earth at this time. But the story says, now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used a brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered all over the face of the whole earth. So in the same way that society is telling us to do this, which in today's world is known as hustle culture. So if you ever hear the term hustle culture, it's talking about this idea that you can just work harder and harder and do whatever you want um, and make this name and 
money and influence for yourself. Um, but anyway, similar to that, these people wanted to make a name for themselves. So it goes back to that. We're still struggling with those same issues. We have so many people and sometimes ourselves too, who we want to make a name for ourselves. In Philippians, Paul tells us, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Instead, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. How often do we see society telling us to put ourselves on a pedestal? I see it all the time. We're told and we willingly believe that we deserve certain things because based on what we do. We're told that we should put our own time, our own desires, our own feelings above everyone else's. But when we do this, we don't see God's heart for others. We can't see God's heart for others because our only focus is on ourselves. And as we see in the story of Babel, we aren't meant to build ourselves up. We're meant to build each other up. And as Christians, we are called to be set apart. We are called to look different. So if the entire world and society is telling you to put yourselves first and, you know, all of that, that message that they're sending, our first response should be, well, if the world is telling us to do this, maybe I should reconsider because we are called to be set apart and we are called to be different than the world. Pride can sneak up on us. It it comes disguised in really subtle ways, often as good things um, or just ways that we don't think about. Uh, as I already mentioned, pride can look like working hard and having it all or just wanting to make a name for ourselves. Um, and I would say that sometimes those can sneak up on us too, but maybe those are more obvious ways. The Gospel uh, the gospel Coalition came up with an article, I'll link it in the show notes as well, but they listed seven ways that pride can present itself in our lives. So the first was fear. When we are fearful, we aren't allowing ourselves to rest in God's care. We aren't willing to lay down our anxieties and stop worrying. Please hear me. I know how hard this is. I, to be honest, had never thought about this being prideful, fear being prideful before, but it is prideful. Another way is entitlement. How often do we think or say, well, I deserve this. I work hard. I've been this faithful. I've done this right. I deserve this. We say it about material things and sometimes we even say it to God like, I've done this. Why are you not blessing me in this way? Humility comes when we realize that we deserve absolutely nothing, but God showers us with blessings anyway. Realizing that truth should humble us so much. The third thing that they listed in the article was ingratitude, which is kind of similar to my previous point. Um, You know, thinking we deserve it or not being grateful for the blessings that God has given us. People-pleasing was another way that pride shows itself in our lives. And oftentimes when we're concerned about people and their opinions of us, we aren't concerned about pleasing God. And he's the only one we should be concerned about pleasing. 
Prayerlessness was the fifth on the list, and this is when we rely on ourselves and we try to solve our own problems instead of receiving guidance from the Holy Spirit. The sixth way um, is hypocrisy or a critical spirit. And in our pride, we often elevate ourselves or our morals or um, our status or accomplishments above others, and we become critical of them. In complete honesty, this is one way that I personally struggle with pride. Jesus has a ton to say about hypocritical people in the Gospels, specifically to the Pharisees. And as a result, those who are hypocritical lack compassion for others and then focus even more on their desires of the flesh. And finally, the last thing on their list was rebellion thinking that our way is better than God's and going against his will. As I was researching for this episode, this list really stuck out to me because there were a couple things on here that I'd never thought about, Um, like fear or people-pleasing as actual pride. I knew that they weren't God's will for us, but hadn't necessarily considered them as being prideful. But one other way that I see pride really revealing itself is when we lack a teachable spirit. Psalms 25, 9 says, He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. We most often see this in ourselves with other people or other people with us. Sometimes we are so proud that we don't want to listen to other people teach us about something. We don't want to listen to the facts. We want to stick with our opinions and our feelings, no matter what the factual truth is. But, you know, I'm certainly guilty of doing this with God sometimes, too. There was a situation recently surrounding a topic that I have very strong opinions on. And I came across somebody who had a different opinion than me. Um, It was over social media, so it wasn't an interaction. But I took offense at what she had said and was questioning how she could say certain things about this issue. But then I realized, I do, I do feel very, very strongly about this topic. But am I allowing my strong feelings on this subject to cloud my ability to discern whether this is my conviction or if I'm the one on the wrong side? My attitude was prideful and I realized that One, not everyone is going to have the same conviction on this topic that I do. And two, one or both of us in this particular situation could be wrong. And it could be me. What that experience did, it pressed me to pursue God in prayer a lot more about this issue. And I landed on the fact that, yes, this still is my conviction. But what I did is I humbled my heart a little bit. And I'm open to if God wants to change my mind. We're told in the psalm that I just read that when we humble ourselves, he guides us and teaches us his way. So we need to have a teachable spirit with God first and foremost. But I think then that will lead to having a teachable spirit with others as well. Humility can't be faked. When Jesus says that those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted... That doesn't mean that we can fake humility to be exalted. While sometimes that may be an earthly reward, it very well could mean that we don't receive that reward until heaven. But that leads me to ask, 
How can we learn to have a humble heart? This actually brings me to another cultural message of pride that we receive, and that is in how we read our Bible. And that may sound a little surprising. Um, I'll disclaim this by saying I can only speak to this from a woman's perspective. I'm not sure if men also receive this same um, message, at least to the same degree as we do. Um, and maybe they do. I'm just saying I don't know. But we are often told to read our Bible and to look and see what God says about us, who we are to him. Oftentimes the verses that are saying, you know, we are fearfully and wonderfully made and saying that we are forgiven and we are loved and we are his chosen people. Those are the verses that are kind of pointed to when this message is being taught. And all of those are true. Okay. All of those are true. I'm not disregarding that. But if we approach the word of God asking what it says about us, we are not approaching it with humility. Because here's the thing. The word of God is not about us. What if instead we approached the word of God by asking what it says about God and how we can allow that to affect our lives? Because when we come with that posture, we will learn so much more. We will learn about the character of God and in that we will learn what he thinks about us. The Bible is not a story about us. Its sole purpose isn't to make sure that we feel good about ourselves. It is a story of God's redemption to all humankind. It gives so much more glory to God when we are humble and we recognize that, yes, while we are loved by our creator and all loving God, he loves us even though we are sinful and unrighteous. And doesn't that say way more about him than it does us? I have to say that a big way to actually have a humble heart is to be reading the word from that perspective, to be able to recognize that we deserve nothing yet are given everything in Jesus. The gospels tell us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That doesn't say a whole lot of good things about us, guys. It says so much about Jesus. And that should humble us more than anything. We see the ultimate example of humility through Jesus. Paul says in Philippians, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Jesus, the only one equal with God, is the one who did not use that to his advantage. He took on the attitude and position of a servant, and Paul is saying that we should have the exact same mindset. I find that inspiring, but it is also very challenging because it's hard to have a servant attitude and think of others above ourselves. That is a difficult posture to have. And the reason that it is so difficult is because when we pray for a humble heart, 
We're essentially praying for opportunities and the ability to die to ourselves, to sacrifice our own desires, our own time, our own pride, and serve others and serve Christ. You know, Christ calls us to pick up our cross and follow him. Humility is vital in doing that. There's a sentiment that's kind of a common sentiment um, when talking about patience. Be careful if you're praying for patience because God just won't give it to you. He'll give you opportunities to help you grow in patience. Gosh, have you ever done that? It is hard, so hard. But it's similar with humility. God may not just grant you that wish, right? He's not a magic genie. But he will offer opportunities in your life to practice that humility. So when you do pray for humility, be sure to watch out for the way that he's asking you to practice. Um, before we end, I wanted to bring up one more aspect of humility. C.S. Lewis once said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And this kind of goes back a little bit to that humility can't be faked. I think that oftentimes we want to be humble. We have that desire, but we have the wrong idea of what humility looks like. And I I really hope that this episode helped with that. But sometimes our idea of humility is low self-esteem. We don't want to be proud. And so we kind of come off as insecure. I'm going to clarify, pride is where we get in trouble confidence is a good thing. There's nothing wrong with knowing um, what gifts God has given you, where you're, what you're good at, where you thrive. Um, there's nothing wrong with using those gifts and knowing that. In fact, I would argue that insecurity is still a kind of pride because we're still worried about what others think instead of thriving in God's will for us. And so I don't want us to confuse confidence with pride. So don't humble yourself to the, to the point of, I am nothing, I'm worth nothing, and I have no skills and just, you know, walk all over me and, you know, all of those excuses that we sometimes use in our version of humility. That is not the kind of humility that God called us to. Romans 12, 3 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. And this is actually the passage where he continues and talks about the different gifts that everyone in the church has received, which I've talked about spiritual gifts in another episode. So the verse says to think of yourself with sober judgment. And I think right there, it it's explaining that it's okay to recognize that we have been given these gifts, but we then also have to recognize the limits that we have in those gifts and that there are other parts of the body of Christ that are just as necessary and just as needed as us. And so there's that kind of that balance of not being prideful, but being confident and humble. So I hope this was an encouraging episode as we continue striving to live our lives for Christ. Um, I hope that just the different ways that I I spoke about humility just gets us thinking. Um, I know that it was the past week that I've been working on this it's really opened my eyes and just made me think more about how, ways that I am prideful, even when I don't realize it. Um, 
And I guess that's kind of the first step um, in, I guess, checking ourselves and making sure that we align with where Christ is wanting us to be. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Thank you for joining today's conversation. I hope this was an encouraging episode as you continue to walk with the Lord. If it was, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps with the app's algorithm and allows in all things to be accessible to even more people. Share with your friends and give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at in all things pod on both of those and visit our website at in all things podcast.com. See you next time.